1: www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour <laughs> It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year on Sunday nights at 9. Join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live Leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar.
0: Another Sunday evening, another edition of The Bible Live, and we're ready to go for the next 90 minutes. We're going to be talking about all things biblical, and I hope that you will join with me. It's always encouraging when we have listeners call in and be a part of the program. And what we're all about is this book, this old, old book we call the Bible, The Book of Books, it has been called. And obviously, it's not really just even one book. It's 66 different books written over a period of, uh, oh, about 1500 years. It's, it's uh, a true and accurate, demonstrably true and accurate record of uh, the experiences of those who wrote it, the times that they lived and the times that they learned and that they experienced their lives and their walk with God. And at the same time, we believe it to be supernatural in source, not only uh, reliable in the, histori- in the historical sort of a way, historicity, all those uh, tests of historicity and accuracy uh, have been applied to this Bible over and over and over and over again through the centuries. And uh, it has been proven to be accurate, reliable record of of what men and women experienced when they experienced it in their time. But also because of the supernatural elements that are a part of this writing, we understand that it is indeed what some people call the Word of God, Uh, that God is revealing himself. He is speaking through These scriptures. Now, I hope uh, as we say the Word of God, uh, we have a version. We have our English American Standard New New International Version, the New Living Translation. We have we have a wealth of translations and versions of the Scripture, uh, differentiated a little bit by sometimes just by by simply an approach that uh, different scholars would take to the passage itself, but the sent, the essential clear message of the Bible from beginning to end is the same in each and every one of them, uh, those those that have been translated in, in a credible uh, way from the Hebrew, from the Greek. And, and so we're not saying that every English word you have is God's word in that sense, but we know that this message, this the, the the message that is transmitted to us through the scriptures, the written word, this is an incredible gift that God has given us, that he has given us a record of his involvement in the lives of other men and women throughout history, uh, and uh, attested to by supernatural elements of, of prophecies fulfilled, telling the future events without... Knowing them and know, and them coming true, all of them, each and every one of them, all of them, uh, particularly those, and, and especially significant, those that deal with the Messiah, those that deal with this Redeemer, this Savior uh, that God is going to send, this hero that God is going to send into the human race through the, the legacy, through the descendancy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God has covenanted to bring uh, through them, through this people group, uh, to keep a record of his of the true and living God, throughout history, uh, to, for them and also through the people of God, and also that through that people to bring the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, whom we know, believed to be Jesus of Nazareth, uh, who fulfilled all of the over three hundred prophecies about the Messiah, the Redeemer who was to come, and who fulfilled. Uh, the purposes of God for the Redeemer, that He would come to make atonement, substitutionary atonement for our sins, so that those who love God want God, desire God, worship God, uh, and want to be part of the people of God, those of us who desire Him, we can have a confident, secure relationship with God by faith because of jesus we we our faith. Is in who he is and what he accomplished, what God has accomplished for, on our behalf through the Messiah. So it's, it's a book, an astounding book of redemption, of, of salvation. It's for eternity. It has to do with God calling out a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. Uh, that, is, that is the prime directive. to Use a little Star Trek lingo, lingo there. That's the prime directive of the scriptures. God is busy in every generation all through the ages calling out of the human race a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. Forty three times it's quoted throughout the Bible from beginning to end. Those exact words. But, of course, many other times placed in, in, in different words, but the same purpose, intent of God revealed to us. So God is uh, speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to his people as we study his word. And I'm wanting to be here um, to help you and guide you and encourage you. Uh, particularly, I'm interested in in young men and women, a younger generation, who maybe are not familiar with this book of books. You haven't been raised up, raised on it, perhaps, as clearly, as intentionally, as uh as or uh, intently as our generation uh we are as a people of America as American people we have uh we have wandered away from the God of scripture. there can be no doubt about it. I'm not saying every individual, but I'm saying as a nation, as a culture, as a society uh we have wandered away from the knowledge of the true and living God, the God of the Bible, and the importance of his word. And uh, I'm hoping that through the Bible Live broadcast and our podcast uh, that you can go to each and every day of the week, anytime to hear the scriptures uh, and, and study and hear from them. And maybe I can add a little bit to your enjoyment and appreciation of the scriptures. That's what we try to do here on the Bible Live. Now, this past week, our reading schedule had us finish finishing the book of Job. We've been in the book of Job all last week. Now this week we pick up at uh, Job chapter six. This past week, and we've read through chapter thirty-seven, uh, almost to the end of the book of Job, uh, chapters six through thirty-seven. So we'll be talking about this oldest of the books. This is the this uh, is the oldest book of the Bible in the sense that it it has to do with uh, the the, fir- the first record of scriptures uh, before Abraham. Before the time of the uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the uh, the um, uh, fathers of of the Old Testament of the faith, uh, Joseph, Job here uh, is a he's in the mm, pre-patriarchal era, uh, but he's not way out of it. He, he's he's uh, in that era, early in the patriarchal era, or slightly before it. Uh, Job, who lived in the land of Uz, it was called, which is a land east of the Jordan, uh, over in that part of the world. And uh, Job had this remarkable experience, and we'll review it in just a moment. Uh, we We talked about it last week in Job chapters 1 through 5. The scene is set. For the rest of the book, and we'll talk about that this evening. If you'd like to join in the conversation or have a comment about the book of Job, or a comment about the scriptures, or about what it means to know God and walk with God, uh, what? What God might be doing in this time of our uh, in our life of our country of our nation, and uh, in, in this generation, maybe you can you'd like to just talk a little bit about what God, the God of the Bible, what is He doing uh, in this era? What is this coronavirus? How does it all fit into God's plan? And and uh, China, China's rise, and Iran and Iraq, and all these things that are happening around this world that most of us kind of shake our heads from week to week here in the last month or two or three and we just shake our heads and go, what in the world is going on? Well, we're going to try to shed some light on that, about what God is doing, what God is calling us to do as his people. Uh, But if you have a thought about that and would like to tune in and and, uh, sound off about it, I'd love to hear from you. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210 is our area code. 340-9585 three four zero ninety five eighty five call anytime during the next ninety minutes we'll be glad to take your call and visit with you and love to hear some of the your thoughts about what God is saying in his word what God is saying to this generation to our nation at this time and um, you're certainly welcome this is what the program is all about now that I do want to have i do have a very important announcement for you that uh i, I I'm wondering and we have wondered. What is God doing in, in America, in the United States of America, and in our world, entire world in this time? Now, the, the great guiding principle of, uh, of God's involvement on, the, on planet Earth, the great guiding, not the only thing, but the, all of these things kind of tie together, but the great guiding principle that guides God's uh, actions to his people, to the nations of the world, is the harvest the harvest, I will be their God, they will be my people. Are we as a nation contributing to God's plan, to worshiping God, truly knowing him, and then to uh, to living for him, to grow in our walk, in our intimacy with God as God's people? And then finally, are we contributing to the expansion of God's kingdom? America has stood uh, for the first 200 years of our uh, life uh, as a as a nation, God uh, birthed this nation. I think it's very clear to anyone uh, looking at the situation of our the birth of this land. Uh, God birthed this nation. He blessed this nation, uh, and in its beginnings, in its the founding fathers and those in the early generations, uh, there was a a clear uh, a clear commitment. To the God of the Bible, to Jesus, uh, the Savior, the Messiah, uh, to the Redemptive Plan of God of this nation sent clearly sent uh, well over seventy five percent of the world's uh, well we're very wealthy nation we spent we sent over seventy five percent of the missions budgets for the world missions of reaching the other countries of the world we sent seventy five to eighty percent of that. Personnel, this nation sent 75 to 80 percent of the missionaries around the around the world. I've been a part of that for 50 years. My wife Suzanne and I have been on the mission field, uh, taking the gospel around the world, 35, 40 countries of the world, and, and speaking hundreds, thousands, literally, of young men and women around. The, Mongolia, India, China, Latin America, South America, over all across Western and Eastern Europe, back into Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Moldova, Russia, and so on these th- that's what our our nation has been a part of that that commitment, but now we've we're walking away from that commitment to God, from that understanding, and it's not just believing in god it, it's it's walking away from from holiness from from the we, we've uh, murdered. And I do use the word on purpose. We have murdered uh, almost 70 million human, li- human lives sacrificed on the altar of convenience through abortion, uh, an incredible disgrace to our nation. A- and yet there is no repentance. There is no brokenness. There's no turning back from it. Now, we all know this. As be- If you're a believer, a solid believer, you love the Lord with all your heart, you know this. Uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, but we've all wondered how can we turn? What can what can happen? How can a nation turn back to God? Is it possible? Uh, very, very few times has it ever happened. It's not the normal thing. Uh, often it takes war. Often it takes ter- terrible calamity or judgment. Being taken into, like the people of Israel, taken into exile, uh, and so on. So uh, it's it often takes great suffering for for a nation as a nation to repent to turn and i i we've known that and my focus up to this point has been just personal holiness and a personal call to to turn back to god to seek god with all our our heart our mind our strength to pray to god as individuals and our congregations and i'm just a tiny little uh, almost insignificant voice down here in the little in our great wonderful city of San Antonio, but in my heart i 've been wondering and wondering, is there going to be a movement? Will there be a voice? Will there be uh, a response in general from God guiding the people of the United states the the people of God, the believers in this culture in this society, over three hundred million people call America their home, North America, the United States of America. Uh, there are about, what, 70 to 80, 80 million in church or synagogue. Um, and I use that advisedly. We're in the middle of a coronavirus now, so that has been – that particular um, statistic is no longer exactly right, but 70 to 80 million people who are involved in congregations and so on. But even that is no indication of the strength of the people of God in this nation. We don't know exactly how many uh, truly love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and strength are seeking to, to honor God and obey God's word. We know that just because a building has a steeple on it, just because a man wears a collar around his neck and people call him reverend, that does not mean that they are truly a godly, God-fearing, and and, uh, holy men and women of God. Uh, We don't know. Uh, Maybe 30, 35 million, 40 million, maybe out out of our whole population that are truly uh seeking after God know that walking with the Lord well there is a response that has happened just here in the last week there is a a call for the return and it's a call to not only repentance but it's a call to to a movement a visible movement of God's people in repentance, a return to God. it's not just about asking forgiveness and showing up. There is going to be a huge gathering uh, in Washington, D.C., 40 days before the election. It's going to be Saturday, September 26th. It's during the 10 days from the, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the Rosh Hashanah, to the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, in September 18th through the 28th, those 10 days, and uh, so that will be the beginning of the 40 days before the election, this will be a time for God's people to seek God's face. As we're told in Second Chronicles 7.14 that we read just a few weeks ago as we're making our way through the Bible, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so with that in mind, a movement has arisen grassroots from from God's people across the land there has a credible uh, response from spiritual leaders across the land, different cities, different communities, but those who truly know and lo- following the Lord. Uh, there are many of our leaders who are calling us to join in this solemn assembly on Saturday, September the 26th. Uh, uh on the uh, nation's mall there in in washington dc saturday september 26th you can learn more about it if you go to the return website.org those are the three words the return website.org you can go there and there will be a daily uh, update on what is happening and, and uh, the leadership the purposes of the gathering to it, it, but again it's not just about an event we as Americans, we always kind of think God's just waiting around for us to have an event, and we love our events. You know, we would love to have a big meeting and go have do something dramatic and extraordinary. And 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 I've been there, and I've been part of those for many years. And uh, and yet, I know that it's not simply about an event. Just having an, an event isn't what this is all about. It's about genuine a genuine return. On the part of God's people, it's a call on us to return to God in our personal walk, in our personal lives, to repent and turn from our sins, to experience our forgiveness and cleansing through the work of the Messiah, his atoning work, and to walk in holiness before our God, brokenness and humility before God in in, uh, in asking God to forgive us and turning from our sin, repenting, turning, doing what we can to turn our nation away from these terrible wicked sins that have become a part of our culture and our society. So it's not just about with our lips, it's about we need to walk the walk. That means in our voting, that means in our living, that means in our our behavior, uh, that means in every and all of our influence to use every bit of our influence as citizens, as believers. Uh, Counting on God's power working in us, with us, and through us to turn and bring our nation back to God. The return, it's called. The return website dot org is a place you can look up and find more and more information about the leadership about it. uh, And you'll you'll determine for yourself. Now, there will be not only that large event in the nation's capital, uh, major cities across the land and towns and cities. There will be um, parallel or mirror events in the community for those who can't make the journey to Washington or don't see that is their call. We will have the opportunity to walk along And to be a part of the movement, uh, here in a local expression in San Antonio. I'm sure I don't have a plan myself. I'm, I've just heard about this and I believe it is, I believe it is a gift to us from the Lord. Uh, it is an event that, uh, we, it makes it possible for us if repentance, if revival and the desire for revival is in our heart, here is a credible, uh, a credible vehicle for us to express that to God, uh, to our fellow believers, and to our nation as a whole. So I'll be telling you more about it from the weeks that come. Saturday, the September the 26th, a solemn day of assembly called The Return uh, in the nation's capital and, of course, across the nation as well. Uh, this fits as part of a 10-day event, actually, that starts with the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, on September Eighteenth, and then uh, culminates with the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, on Monday the 28th. The day Saturday is the day of the National Assembly, uh, emphasis on Saturday, September 26th. So there you have all that I know about it. Uh, It's 75 days from now. Uh, is when that will be taking place. So there'll be a lot of preparations and a lot of uh, more information forthcoming. So you can log in to thereturnwebsite.org. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. The word website is part of the name of the website, thereturnwebsite.org. Uh, 75 days from now, we'll be reminding you of it in the days and weeks ahead. I hope that brings a little bit of a joy, a little bit of a thrill to your heart that there seems to be uh, a movement afoot that, that would allow us to express to God the, the repentance, the, the desire the, to turn to God and for God to act in our lives and in our nation, that we've all been looking for an opportunity that would be uh, give us a chance to, to express that as the people of God uh, in our world today and in our nation, all right? So there you have that. Let's. That's that's a big announcement. It really is. I think it's important. I wouldn't mind hearing from some of you if this is the first you've heard about uh, the return uh, solemn assembly. Maybe you could give me a call and tell me what is your heart response. What do you What do you first think? Is this uh, something that would that gives you uh, hope? That gives you a little bit of uh, excitement that that God might be moving among His people uh, to to. Use this time. It's a very, this is, these are not normal times. These are very crucial, very vital days for our nation. Uh, in fact, if, uh, if we do not respond, if there is no change, if we continue down the path that we seem to be clearly on right now, uh, it is, I believe it is pretty clear that we will, God will continue judging. We're already under his judgment. God has already begun to judge this nation. We've already seen the hardships and the difficulties in trying to get our attention. No doubt about it. But uh, I believe that if we don't, you know, judgments in the, in the scriptures in the Bible, God always announced judgment clearly ahead of time. He told his people. He announced what was going to happen, and he would begin to show them, and call them, and and, and trying to get their attention. Uh, to come back to him. He always did it. Now, rarely, rarely did they heed his call, very rarely, uh, uh, but then then judgment would come. And I believe with all my heart, uh, and it's not some big secret, I, I think most all of God's people and God's leaders across the nation believe that God's hand of judgment is on us. Uh, we are experiencing difficulties and hardships and judgment because of that. God is trying to call us back to Himself. I remember when 9/11 happened uh, back in earlier in, in this uh, century, that 20 years ago or so. That I remember at that time there seemed to be some kind of a little. People started going back to church and calling out to God, but it was short-lived. Uh, you know, just uh, a week or two or three or a month, and people had forgotten about it and went back to their merry way. And, and back to our, our sinful lifestyles and practices as a nation. And so uh, it, it, uh, it, it, God can't be fooled. He's not gonna be, uh, we're not going to fool him just by having an event, and he's going to say, oh, all right, they're good. But he knows our hearts. But this is an opportunity for us to respond together as God's people here in this nation. So, there we have it. That's our first segment almost gone now. We're going to come back and talk about the book of Job now. Uh, I'll give a little bit of a review. Not much, though, uh, because we already know the the background. We already know what happened here. Uh, Satan appearing with the angels before God, God allowing him to to try the faith of this saint named Job, to try his faith, and so he lost his family, he lost his belongings, he lost his possessions, he lost his family, and finally he has lost his health, and now three friends have come to sit with him, and they are not doing him a great service by the advice and the accusations they are throwing at Job. So we'll come back and talk about the book of Job in a little bit. I hope that you'll rejoin us here. We'll keep on trying to bring understanding to this wonderful book of the Bible. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
1: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy
0: it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. To
1: Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul and never die. My darkest night will turn.
0: You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. Just telling John how interesting that is because that is really one of the major themes of the book of Job. There are two very, very um, important, well, more than that, but there are two themes of the scriptures that come out, you would think maybe they would not be in the book of Job, the very earliest book. Um, They're deep, deep um, theological concepts and understanding, but Job brings them both out. He wonders in the first place um, in Job chapter 9. See, the whole book, (laughs) I'm going to jump backwards here a little bit. The whole book of Job has to do with sin right you understand that 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 satan says oh he's only uh god was bragging on job and he said satan said well he only follows you he only trusts you because you're making it good for him you know he he's got his health he's got a wonderful family he's wealthy uh you you know he's got everything he wants and so that's that's the only reason he follows you and so god allowed satan Remember Satan is not God's equal he's not the Yin and the yang he's not the Satan is a created being uh, created uh, for the perp- god's purposes at first he was a uh, he worshipped God he was one of the three archangels mentioned in the scripture Gabriel the, the messenger, Michael the warrior, and Lucifer, the Son of the morning. Here was this evidently uh, something to do with the, uh, the uh, ministering in in the presence of God in at the throne of God. Uh, kind of a, a personal attache, he might say, attendant to God, uh, worship, and he's he's he is identified with great beauty, uh, perhaps with music and art, uh, typically, and uh, but but he fell from uh, God's presence. He pride and sin was found in him, selfishness. The middle letter of the word sin is I, and Satan found the word I. I will ascend to. To Mount Zion, I will sit on the throne, I will, I will, I will, and he sin was found within him. he was cast from god 's presence along with a third of the angels uh, 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 that he gave leadership to, and he was restricted to the sphere of this planet, the planet Earth, where God planted the human race uh, in the Garden of Eden, and some have said that part of the purpose of God in creating the human race it has been said. Uh, there's a, a great preacher from here in San Antonio, Jack Taylor, used to be the pastor of First Baptist Church uh, San Antonio many years ago, and Jack wrote a book called The Hallelujah Factor, and in it he postulated that it wasn't just J- Jack, I'm sure, uh, and if you've been to seminary or Bible school that you may have heard, the idea is that God created the human race in, in some way, in some measure, to replace the function of Satan who fell from his place uh, in service to God, that we are taking, and that explains in some measure why Satan hates God's people so much and accuses us and seeks to uh, devour us and uh, to distract and derail us from our purpose of loving and knowing God. Uh, So, But anyway, the human race comes along, Satan is... Accusing Job says the only reason he's following God, so God allows Satan to to test, uh, put Job's faith to the test by taking away its possessions, by taking away his loved ones and family, and by taking away his health. Um, now you can question all that you want. Uh, you can say, "Well, why would God do that?" Why would you? now? One of the lessons that comes out of this is that we are. Human beings are created not for this planet. The primary purpose for our existence is not about planet Earth. It begins here, yes, our, our existence and our understanding of God and our chance to know about God and to know God and to walk with God. But God is interested in a people who will dwell with him forever forever. And so uh the the great emphasis of life is not about planet earth necessarily. It has its importance. It has its role uh, and it is important that you and I as God's people we use every minute, every every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year every, of our life that God gives us here to know him and love him and walk with him and 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 to to be God's children and God's servants here on this planet earth. But it really, ultimately, is all about eternity. This is all of this life is in preparation. Uh, it's a it's a basic training, if you want to put it in military terms, for for our eternal existence with our God in in harmony and oneness with our God and with each other as the people of God through the ages. So, so that that is here in the book, and Job makes it clear that that uh, that it's about eternity. Uh, that's one of the themes he brings up. Uh, and and um well in, in 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 I'm sorry in Job chapter 14 even during his fourth speech uh, now there there are f- Job gives four speeches and each one of his speeches he is followed up by one of his friends uh Eliphaz uh, Bildad and uh, Zophar these three quote friends came to try to comfort him uh, and they sat in silence for a number of days, and then they began to attack him because the the theme of the book of job deep down theme is sin it's the human human the human experience what role does sin play in our life and and uh, they accused job they're saying that the fact that he suffers that he lost his Uh, wealth, that he lost his family, that he lost his health and his suffering is because he has sin in his life. Now, there are a lot of people listening to me tonight that that's that's how and I don't want to be disrespectful or insulting, but that is a very shallow way to understand God, the God of the Bible. Yes, God is holy. Yes, God desires and wants to build holiness into us. Part of the purpose is to call out a people for himself and that we will be his people. We will reflect the character of the Savior himself. So God is interested in the way we live. Yes, there's no doubt about it. Uh, But he doesn't uh, he doesn't. Uh, it's not a one-to-one correlation between the way God deals with sin. See, a lot of people thinking that if anything bad happens to you, uh, if you have a car wreck or a car accident or something, it's because you're not trusting God. You're not walking with God. If you get sick, you're not walking with God. You must have, there must be sin in your life. I, it's still around, and that is the same attitude that these three, quote, friends take. They, they go to great measure to, to insult Job, they accuse him. They, One of them, Zophar, uh, tells him that Job is being punished even less than he deserves because he's a sinner and he deserves even worse, uh, um, worse punishment. And that's some of the primary mistake that Job's friends make about him because we know, and how do I know that for a fact? Because we know, if you read the book of Job, we know that there was no sin. In Job's life. He did not sin. This was not the reason that God allowed Satan to test his faith. Uh, It might have been even partially to as a witness to these three friends, because later on, these three friends uh, are it's through Job in his prayers for them that they are forgiven and that they experienced God. So uh, maybe even God was using them, and he's using Job as a testimony and witness to us today. Uh, you know, 4,000 years later, uh, we are learning from his experience as well. But uh, that is a common mis- mistake that uh, there's a one-to-one correlation between God, uh, between sin and, uh, and, and, and uh, problems and problems and pain and suffering in this life. And that is simply is something that is totally disproven here in uh, the book of Job. That is not, it doesn't mean there's no correlation. They can be. Uh, God will make that clear to the individual, but that is not an automatic, that is not the bottom line. God, there are other reasons why we, even as God's children, uh, suffer. Uh, there are other reasons why even we must go through the veil of death. Uh, and go into God's presence and so uh and, and part of that is the fact that uh <laughs> people of the world are looking to us as a testimony to our faith in god and god's goodness and if, if we become all of a sudden uh exempted from all of life's pain and suffering nobody is going to choose god for god's sake everyone will do just like satan says oh we choose god only because god blesses us and even job asked a question to his wife he said should should we only expect good from god is there is it that we just expect good things from him? Even to his wife, he tells that. So, Job deals with the question of sin and suffering. That relationship. He deals with the question of eternal life. He makes it clear that we are born on planet Earth and we know God, but we're not. This is not our ultimately our home. Uh, that, that we're just passing through, and our treasures are say, laid up somewhere beyond the blue, as the old hymn says. And then finally, he brings about the theme of redemption. He, he, Job asked early on, uh, in chapter 9, verse 33, Job says he longs for a special person to do something. He longs for a mediator to bring him and God together. He longs for that. He desires deeply that someone would bring him together with God. And uh, as <laughs> Job's prayer is answered through the mediator, through the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah. And in Job nineteen verse twenty-five, I consider it to be the key verse of of the of the book of Job. He says, "As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that He shall live on the planet Earth." Uh, he shall live here. I shall see him again. He, and he's talking about his Redeemer, his Savior. He's talking about, uh, as we understand now, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer. This was the God's redemptive plan. And early on, even in the book of Job, in his very first book of the record, we see these incredible themes of life, of death, of eternal life, of redemption, of sin, of judgment and of, of a Savior, of a Redeemer. All of these are right here in this early, early book of the Bible. So uh, we'll come back and talk about it more. Right now, I want to go and visit with a great friend of the broadcast. Let me see if I can bring him up. Harold, are you on the line with me now?
1: Yes, I'm on the line. I'm I thought glad I'd...
0: to have you, my friend. I'm glad to hear from you. Okay. All well with yeah. you and your family?
1: Everything's okay. Uh, my sister Betty was telling me that there's things going on in China, no ice cream or something, and I said, well, I'm sure she's been to China late, lately. Plus, She says, I never leave San Antonio, so I just didn't know where she got her information.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of information floating around there.
1: Oh, my God. The famous thing I love to hear is that fake news thing. You know who yeah. says that all the time? There are kinds of things. But, uh...
0: There are things out there we would, never, <laughs> we would never have known except in the era of the computer and the Internet and you know, yeah. social media, for sure. Well, what's on yeah. your mind tonight?
1: Well, you were discussing uh, Job, of course, and, you know, you were talking about his three friends, and I was just thinking for a little bit, I don't know for sure, you may know, that those three friends of his, I'm not sure if they were followers of the same God that Job was following.
0: No, I uh, it, I don't believe so. It seems to me that there was some mix-up with Early, early uh, confusion about the nature. Uh, Truly, they they did not know the same God. Surely, clearly, I think it makes it clear, they don't know the God that Job is worshiping. Their concept, their notion of God and his purposes and his actions, his intent and purpose, is very different and they uh, they do receive some kind of an education through Job if they have ears to hear mm-hmm. uh, if they're willing to learn from him and it 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 seems like maybe they did because Job was called on to pray for them and for them at the end of the book and that they, they were, that yeah it is it's an amazing uh, factor but it, uh, I've heard that they may have been a very um, ancient or kind of a, a, a early version of even of. Uh, of um, Islam or some others, you know, the many, there were so many gods.
1: Uh, yeah, in, I understand. It's hard yeah. to say which one and yeah. say the word Muslim and say this and that. It's, you know, it's hard to say things like that today. But uh, it's just a different God for sure, I would say, or at least a different understanding completely of, Job, of Job's God. Yeah. And uh, the the other thing is, you know, the lessons, what lesson can we learn from the book of Job? Uh, lessons, uh, One that comes to mind is that, uh, that Joe did get everything back. And I think I probably said before, you know, I can't believe how fast a year goes by, but. Yeah, here we are uh, back again, right? You know, yeah, I, you know, I just can't believe it. But, you know, even though he gets everything back, the wife's kids, this and that and the other, you know, that would always upset my mother. It just doesn't seem fair. And then she reminds herself and says, "Just life isn't fair, and uh, there's there's always something to fix. Someone's breaking down. It just doesn't matter." But um, that's that's all I want to say. I guess a little bit about that. It well, it's just...
0: important. It's an important observation, Harold. I I appreciate you saying it because we are very prone to be earthbound in our thinking. We. Uh, We we're born on planet Earth. We live in time and space. And this is the world we know. And yet we're called upon continually in Scripture, a continual Mm -hmm. reminder to remember that this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We're constantly reminded, even the even the day of Sabbath. But one of the basic reasons for the Sabbath day is to to remind and keep in memory that life is not all about planet Earth, about getting a job and making money and getting married and having a family and this. It's not just – yes, these things are crucial and vital, even more so because they are related to eternity. Uh, But but ultimately, it is about – and in that sense, life is fair because God is just and fair. And and he, right. he, all of us have the same. Uh, and and even even Job's children that were taken from him, we think of them as you know collateral damage, or they were innocent bystanders. Why did they? Uh, remember, Job prayed for them, uh, and they uh, fairly well. They may very well have been uh, children of God mm-hmm. and, and loved God with all their hearts, even as their da- father did, and they went on to be with God forever. I mean, so. We yes, always, I understand. we always have to remind ourselves of that.
1: Yeah, there's something else I'd like to add. You know, um, uh, well, you, you know how we say, or I don't want to blame you, put it this way. You That's know, but, right. you know, you know, when you were saying, I just want to bring up the same topic. You know, when you were saying people have fallen away from God and, you know, there, we needed to come back to the church or come uh-huh. back to God and with all the destruction in the world today or what's obviously going on, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, in the cities and inner cities. I, I have a hard time wrapping myself around that those people were really godly people or really. Is it the same God? Do they follow all this destruction? The same God? That uh, we follow, or that Job followed. Uh, I can tell you one which thing. People, as, which
0: people are you talking about now? I'm talking
1: about people that's doing all this destruction on the streets and yes, in New York okay, and yeah. all all that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, and and I'm not saying Democrats. I'm not saying to Democrats. I'm saying no. it's people using that using that as an excuse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and. I just I, – I don't even know if I want those people back in my church, you know? I mean, I, I don't think they left the church to go do that. You I know, that's what I, I'm trying I, to I, say. I, I,
0: I agree with you, and I I don't mean to say that all of these people out uh, burning down buildings and, and hurting people and and writing uh, – you know, shouting obscenities and writing – tearing down statues and all that, I, I, I'm meant, not saying those, that they're all – Those aren't Democrats. And they just need to re- yeah. repent. No, no, they 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 but the point is I guess there's something else going on. There's something oh, else no, bigger no, no than no Democrats going it. on. When the church yeah. see see Harold there are enough Christians. There are enough of God's people in this nation to to have cha- to have avoided this and to change this nation. There, there there are enough believers if we would live and act and pray and vote, and, and live in, in all of our and life, vote? in yeah. every aspect of our life, as God's people, we could make the difference. We could change and bring about change in the culture, in the society. Just as the people in the time of Hezekiah, in the time of Josiah, there were enough believers to make a difference. And just in the time of Jonah, there were, there was repentance, and there was enough to, make, to hold off God's judgment for 100 years. So I'm not saying those people... The, the, see this isn't a call to the world to come to repentance and come to faith in christ, although mm. that that we would love that, and hopefully that it would be, hurt that yeah. would be a that would be a, a a a secondary response result of real revival what we're calling upon is for god's people, if my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray. So it's not about calling the demonstrators and calling the, the wicked and calling those who support the killing of the unborn and, and on, on all the wickedness we know is afoot around the nation. It's about mm-hmm. God's people. Are we willing to repent, to turn, and to get on our knees and turn from our wicked ways? And then he says, I will forgive their sins and heal uh, our land. You know. So, yeah. So yeah, it's
1: hard to – yeah, it's – you know, it's, it's, uh, you have to be careful, not you, but to twist the words of the Bible where, where it says there, it, it is okay for gay marriage. They can find that in the Bible where that, that works. Uh, you know, and it's yes. not in the Bible.
0: Uh, it's not, you there. know,
1: it's not, and, there. And, and no, no, it's not. And I'm not picking on gay people or, of course you're not. But, uh, you know but i'm just saying that people that do find a way for a particular lifestyle or for a particular thing that they want to march on that those things that are happening now those aren't
0: in the Bible. Well, sometimes, Those they aren't try being led. To, sometimes they try to pretend that they are. Sometimes uh, they try to find, because they realize the power of the Scripture and influence in our nation. And so they try to, and they falsify, they falsely claim that abortion or or all of these rights, are they are right and perfectly right and good in the Bible, uh, you know, the uh, homosexual lifestyle and so on. Mm-hmm. It, and that's why I have the Bible live. I read, we yeah. read the Bible. Let folks hear the Bible itself. What does the Bible actually say? And it's very, very clear about these matters. But, but, mm-hmm. it's, but it. as Job would point out here, it's not just. It's just not shallow, superficial. Oh, this is bad. That's bad. You the. It, <laughs> the Bible is not a simplistic book. It is profound. Uh, in its understanding of human nature and the idea of sin and wickedness and and the idea of atonement and what god is doing so it's uh it's hard to, it's hard to just as a group totally we don't we 're not called upon to condemn anybody but call right. people to repentance and love people and we hate the sin that 's one of the passages that came out into in our Reading this past week, we read Psalm 97, and we're admonished there to learn to love God and to hate sin. And, and so that's, most of us, you know, we kind of got the idea of loving God, but we're, we're just barely in the process of learning. We've got to learn to hate sin. Why hate sin? Because it, it destroys God's creation. It destroys
1: themselves. It exactly. they, They're destroying themselves. Exactly. You know, I mean. That's the point. Um, yeah, now you yeah, 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 they're destroying themselves, and and in the long run, on this earth, not even when they get to where their destination is. I won't even fill exactly. those blanks. No doubt about but, it. Whoa! Well, what cul- more do you expect?
0: Any culture, any society that that destroys the family, the building block of any culture or society, that that openly. Uh, kills the unborn of their of their of their people right. that yeah. d- and live lifestyles that destroy the family and destroys families and and uh, y- people can do y- that if they want,
1: to- but we don't have to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. If someone wants to get a has an abortion, I. I can't judge the person, how, why, or whatever. But it doesn't mean that we have to, I don't know who we is, yeah. but we don't have to pay for the it.
0: others have to pay for it. Yeah, exactly right. Well, we can talk about okay. that. Harold, you're so kind to call in. Thank you. Good to hear from Alrighty. you. All righty. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. There is our music. We are finished with our second segment tonight. We'll come back and continue now and close our discussion about the book of Job. I'm going to tell you three things. Three very important aspects of the book of Job. And then we're going to tell you why Job might be considered a type of Christ, a type of the Messiah. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. Don't go away.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Let me see, that everything I am is not all about me. listening to the Bible live with Soapy
0: Dollar. That's one of our constant prayers to the Lord. Lord, make me aware. Help me hear your voice. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to God's people here in this time? God has not left us without a message, without a voice from Him. And so I'm hoping that uh, you're Heart and mind is attuned to God, uh, that you're listening, that the, if there are areas of our lives that we need to clean up and, and repent of and turn from our sin, that we'll be willing to do that. Uh, all of us, in each of us, in, in our places, are we willing to really get to hear God's voice and to be a part of a return? I mentioned to you already there is a movement afoot called the return. It has to do with a solemn assembly of God's people in Washington on Saturday, September the twenty-sixth. Just seventy-five days from now, Saturday, September the twenty-sixth, there is a gathering being planned and put together of believers from all all across the nation in the nation's capital. It's called the Return on the uh, on the uh, the Mall there in Washington D.C., leading up to uh, the Capitol Building. And so, uh, this these days from September the eighteenth through September the twenty eighth, those are days uh, from Rosh Hashanah, the the days of uh, feast of the feast of trumpets. It's called Rosh Hashanah, and uh, all the way up ten days later to the Day of Atonement on Monday the twenty eighth. But on the twenty sixth of September, on that Saturday, there is a solemn assembly being called for by many of our nation's uh, spiritual leaders across the land, uh, calling on believers, people who love God and desire God to join together, many thousands to make their way to the nation's capital in person, to be there physically, to express the spirit of repentance, the spirit of, of humility and brokenness before our God, calling, uh, as, as the verse says, if my people. He didn't say if if the sinners, if the wicked would turn from their wicked way, he says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so uh, we're calling uh, this this a great opportunity. Uh, uh, Some of our spiritual leaders from across the nation, you can read about those who are are supporting, uh, and, and there will be more and more coming on board with this opportunity coming up 75 days from now, on Saturday, September the 26th. Uh, it's called The Return, a solemn assembly seeking God's face and forgiveness and cleansing. And you can learn more about it by going to this website. It's called thereturnwebsite.org. Those three words, the thereturnwebsite.org. And you'll be able to find ongoing updated information each and every day and week. Uh, as to how what's happening and what's being what's developing uh and and more and more information about what the day is about now, there will be an opportunity for here us here in San Antonio. I feel certain of that i uh, uh I've been here long enough and a part of the God's people here in the city to know that there will be a local expression as well. There will be godly men and women from many many different churches and denominations and backgrounds coming together to seek God's face as God's people here in San Antonio on Saturday, September 26th. Uh, and we will join in spirit and in prayer with our brothers and sisters there in the nation's capital. And that will happen all across the nation. This is an opportunity. Uh, it's simply an opportunity God is giving us to gather and to join together in expressing the the sentiment the experience of repentance of sin, and, and intercession for our nation, uh, that God would help us to return to Him as a nation. Uh, uh, nobody knows uh, what it's all going to happen. Only God does. He, this is uh, this is a matter of God leading His people and calling His people. And His people uh, of His, are we listening? Are we willing to take advantage of an opportunity placed before us? to express in harmony and oneness and unity with all of God's people in our city and across our nation. It's an extraordinary opportunity to gather and uh, show forth the spirit of repentance and ask God to move among us and cause us to return to him. It's called The Return, a solemn assembly being planned for Saturday, September the 26th, just 75 days from today, from now. It'll be uh, in 40-day period. Uh, Forty days before the election, it's, it's the four hundredth anniversary. That day is the four hundredth anniversary of the landing of the Mayflower in this nation. I, I mentioned before that God has been a God was a part of the founding of this land, of this nation. And you can see that if you want to read the the documents from the main from the Mayflower, how they acknowledge the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Scripture and uh, asked God to bless and, and committed themselves to following God and being faithful to him. So uh, it's it's all there. It's an extraordinary opportunity for us as the people of God to express our repentance, to re- express our seriousness about following, following God. The Thereturnwebsite.org is where you can find more information about it. Now let's get back to our final considerations here about this remarkable book, about a remarkable individual known as Job. Uh Job uh, looks forward to a redeemer. He looks forward to, he continues the understanding that that God is going to send a messiah, a redeemer, a savior, a uh, substitutionary atonement. He talks about that in in this oldest of the books of the Bible. God talks about it. Uh, I mean Job talks about it in Job 9:33. Uh, now, what we see here, what it, what the key element of the book is, is that uh, what does what does Job lack? What is it that Job does not know, and that this book? The book that he writes, at some point in his book, he even says, oh, uh, if only I could write a book, if I could put my words down and, and, and that they would be put down so that people could read it in the future. And here we have his book right here, the book of Job. So uh, so Job writes the book, and he's, he's talking, the thing he does not know with absolute certainty here is what purpose does God have in suffering? He doesn't know why God has allowed him to suffer. Now his friends feel certain they know because they accuse him of sin. They accuse, they say all sin, all suffering is directly related, a direct correlation to sin, and that simply is not true. Uh, of course, we know that incredibly well now because the the only perfect human being who ever existed, all in the hu- history of the human. Life of the 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 perfect Son of God who became a man and took on flesh, and never sinned. He he was tempted in every way as we are, but without sin. Jesus, the Messiah, was a totally perfect, absolutely perfect human being. Does that keep him from suffering? No. He was wrongfully. He was wronged. He was wrongfully uh, persecuted and pursued. He was wrongfully uh, tried. He was he was. Uh, unlawfully, unjustly tried and declared guilty. He was beaten uh, He was he, to suffer. He was hung on a cross till he died phys- a painful human death. So, no, suffering is not direct co- correlation to sin. Uh, and we need to know that. There are other reasons that God um, w- rewards. He does in some way reward goodness and punishes sin in this life. But his primary concern in this life is that we behave rightly instead of, is not that we behave rightly so much, is that we grow in intimacy with him, uh, that we grow with him. Our, our, our education, our transformation begins in this life, but it's not about just this life. So... Job longs for a Redeemer, a Savior, and and reconfirms to us the plan of redemption that God has for humanity. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and I shall see him with my own eyes. I will see him. So Job confirms the essential redemptive narrative of the Scriptures, that God is going to make a, a permanent solution for sin through the Messiah, through the Redeemer, the Savior. Now, a second question that Job wants to ask, now, what is the purpose of suffering? Uh, and so we know he asked a very important question for this, particularly this era, and it's not really dealt with greatly in the in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Testament, and that is life after death. Uh, but Job here in the first book asked the question, if mortals die, can they live again? If a, If a man should die, will he live again? And he answers that question as well, that yes, we are created for eternity. We will be with our God. I know that I shall. Uh, my Redeemer lives and that I shall see him in the flesh. So Job con- affirms that life here on planet Earth is not just about here. It's not just about this world and this physical life and how many toys we can gather and how much even how much good we can do. We want to do all that we can, but ultimately it's about us coming to know our God, our creator and learning to and beginning to reflect his character as his spirit works within us to transform us into loving human beings that we we live for the benefit we live to pour out blessing and benefit on those around us. That we learn to be instruments of God's love, and uh, that's in, and of His righteousness as well, in our nation, and in, in our in our world. So uh, we've got that. During the fifth speech, uh, he cries out that someone would be a mediator between him and God, and of course the prayer is answered through Jesus the Messiah when God sends His Son, who took on flesh. Now then. Uh, that's another great point. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention to you is that there are several ways in, in which we might consider Job to be a type. Now, when I use the word type, this is a word that theologians use to a great extent to talk about uh, how that certain individuals characterize, they they bear within their own personality, within their own lives, something, uh, they tell us something and they reflect something of the life of the Messiah, the ultimate Redeemer and Savior of the world. Uh, this could be said of Abraham. This could be said of Moses, who was a Redeemer, who came and saved and took the people of Israel out of uh, Egypt and so on. Uh, this could be said of, of Joseph, that Joseph, uh, remember who, Joseph, that when they went down into Egypt, Joseph was there to redeem them and save them. Well, now we could consider Job in some ways a type, of the Messiah as well, because two or three, four reasons I guess. One, he leaves behind his prosperity and his comfort in order to suffer, and it's a redemptive suffering. Job leaves prosperity and comfort, and most of you know the old hymn about Jesus out, out, uh, out of the. Uh, uh, It'll come to me, ivory palaces, <laughs> that Jesus came out of the ivory palaces, out of comfort, out of eternity, and he came to planet Earth to share our suffering, to share our life, to become familiar with what it means to walk and live as a man of God, one who loves God and, and walks with God and desires God. And Jesus, from the time he was a fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the day he died on that on that cross and then was resurrected 3 days later he walked through every experience of humanity every human experience he was t- tempted in every way just as we are and yet without sin uh, he never act he never in all of his life did he act out of his own dem- his own uh, his own power his own authority his own initiative his own prerogative as god even to his disciples he said don't you know i could call 10,000 angels if i wanted to As God, that was his right. He could have called angels to deliver him, but he did not. That was part of his work as the Messiah, is to walk out a perfect life of faith and trust and total dependence, total abandonment of himself into the hands of God. That's on the cross. He said, into your, my father's hands. into your hand, your hands, father, do I, I give up my spirit. In every way, he walked through life not doing anything of his own power, initiative, and prerogative as God. You can read uh, John chapter five, uh, verse nineteen. John chapter five, I think, twenty-seven. He says, "I don't do anything of my own prerogative, my own initiative, my own power, and authority as God. I only do what God calls me to do and shows me to do and empowers me to do by His Spirit." So uh, Jesus came, and, and I'm talking about Job now. Jesus, Jesus left heaven to come and, and to endure suffering but without sin just and job did that same thing he endured his suffering without sinning. and remember he, he says uh, in, in job chapter 6 verse 10, one of the early chapters from our reading this past week he says he insist job insists that he has not sinned and says that the only comfort from his pain is that he has not denied the words of the holy one. And there, there, Job is reflecting the nature and character of the Messiah Himself. And thirdly, Job is a source of cleansing for his friends. And I mentioned this before. Uh, Harold called in and talked about Zophar and Bildad and Eliphaz. And there is a young man we'll talk about next week. He, uh, fourth friend, Eli, Elihu is uh, is a young man. He doesn't speak until the last chapters. Uh, about chapter 32 of the book, probably because of out of his respect and hesitancy to talk as a young man, uh, but finally he gives his opinion and thoughts, and they're very interesting. We'll talk about it more next week. But these four friends, uh, they, are, they are blessed because of Job's um, faith. They are blessed because Job remains true to God. He does not deny the words of the Holy One. He does not uh, turn from his faith. He continues to trust God even in the middle of his suffering. And finally, uh, the fourth point that he is like Jesus is that he is exalted in the end. So we can see that Job here is a picture in his own life. He is a picture of the work of the Messiah, the ultimate definitive Messiah, Redeemer that God sends into the world, and that he leaves his posterity and comfort to suffer, and he suffers without sinning. And his suffering is a source of cleansing for his friends. And see, we are the benefactors from the life and, uh, and the suffering of Jesus. It's by his suffering we are healed. By his stripes we are healed, as Isaiah said centuries ago. And then finally, he is exalted in the end. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has given him a name which is above every name. And that is the name of Jesus. And so there's a way there. that Job here, not only in his message, in the words of the book of Job, but we also see that in his life itself, that he is a picture of God's redemptive plan and God's uh, Messiah, God's Redeemer. Now... Let's see, uh, I mentioned here already, the book of Job discusses two theological, advanced, very advanced theological concepts, and that is the substitutionary atonement, the mediator, the redeemer that God is going to send, and resurrection, life after death, that, uh, that he said, I know that my redeemer lives, and that he shall live in that latter day on the planet earth, and I will see him in the flesh, in my own eyes. Okay, so we, uh, we are looking here. We have a phone number, 210-340-9585. Maybe there's something about the book of Job that strikes a chord in your life, and what would you say is the message that God has for us as God's people, those of us today alive in this country, in this culture, in this society? What is God saying to us uh, about himself and about what how, how we should respond to him in these troubled, difficult times of coronavirus and of all these terrible national sins, rebellion, it seems like there's a move afoot. It, there's no, it doesn't seem like it. There is clearly a move afoot to destroy this nation, to destroy America as constituted. Uh, th- that is clearly the objective uh, of many of these uh, so-called uh, uh, groups, uh, Antifa and and. Uh, you know what do you call them black lives matter all of these groups now you you may fall in love with these words and with these names and you may think oh but that does but the the clear the clear purpose behind them and this purpose is expressed by the leadership themselves by people who lead these movements they are using words they are using words that they know will appeal to people that will make a lot of people response and if you're falling for that, you are being tricked. You are being uh, deceived into following after a movement that is truly anti-America, that is seeking to destroy this nation and remove it from the blessings and, and the the experience that we've had of blessing on God's uh, of God on this nation. And it could happen. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It could happen. Uh, Jerusalem was take, uh, was destroyed. Israel was taken into exile. Um, you know, there's not an automatic um, pass given to America. This nation as well can go into bondage. This nation as well can be judged and fall into uh, mediocrity and fall into uh, the wasteland on the garbage heap of, of, etern- of uh, human experience, of history. So uh, there's no guarantee, but if we, if God's people, will humble ourselves, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, we believe, and God has given the promise, that he will hear our prayer and that he will forgive our sins and heal our land. So um, that's what we have an opportunity to do in these days. It's a clear message that comes to us, I think, from the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job. Uh, we hear that, that uh, God's plan for us on planet Earth is for us to know him and to begin to enjoy God and to grow into his character, to be like God, to to believe and see and understand our life here, and to understand how God's people should live, how we should act. And uh, we have a remarkable opportunity in this nation that if we will stand firm, if we will stand out and confront sin and wickedness, God will redeem us and, re- and he will deliver us. Uh, often when God's people, it seems very fearful, there will be armies uh, stacked up against God's people. There were there were tremendous obstacles put in front of Jesus, tremendous obstacles put in front of the apostle Paul, all kinds of threats and all kinds of pain and so on put in front of them uh, that they sh- that would cause them to want to just shut up and be quiet and don't rock the boat and don't don't stand up i mean uh, paul was eventually uh martyred he died a martyr's death uh because he stood up against uh the wicked uh, emperor of rome he would worship another the true and living god and not not the not the, the claims of the, of the caesar to be to be god and so on so we have to be courageous but if we will stand courageously if we'll take our stand God tells us and re- reveals to us very clearly in his word that he will act on our behalf. He will act on behalf of our of our children and our grandchildren, that God is perfectly capable of bringing about that revival, that renewal, that we all have been waiting for and praying for, for sometimes decades and decades. Uh, all, all my life now, for 50 years, I've been praying for revival, praying for renewal across America. And I've watched the, the nation go totally the other direction. Way back in the 60s, we knew, we understood the things that were being unleashed on this land. Taking God out of our schools, bringing God's word, prayer out of the schools, just removing God from our consciousness as a nation As best. There were people intentionally intent on doing that. And then, and then as God's people just kept allowing, we kept giving way, we kept making way, we kept giving way. And, and 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 then of course the the unborn, the killing of the unborn, and uh, and so many, uh, so much more wickedness and, and uh, sin that has been unleashed, and not just unleashed. Sin has always been present, but now has become um, part of our part of the American experience. Now is is uh, all all of these terrible wicked sins that we've all bought into now, as if as if they are normal and good. Well, now we have a chance. We have a chance to act together as the people of God, seeking His face, praying, and seeing if God will, in His grace and mercy, grant us a return, a return to Him, a return to blessing. I hope that you'll consider it. Take it very carefully. Go to thereturnwebsite.org. I'll see you next week, folks. We'll finish the book of Job. And go on further in the the Bible See you then The
1: Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible
0: to our culture Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888 That's Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218
1: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live Weeknights at 9.30 on this great station Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website,
0: BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live Broadcast.
1: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister
0: to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.